This morning, the title is Giving God the Leftovers. There's a story of a six-year-old boy, and when he came to church, he asked his father after the preacher had preached a long and tedious sermon, he asked, the son asked his father, what does the preacher do the rest of the week? And this is the father's response. Oh, he's a very busy man, the father said. He takes care of church business. He visits the sick. He works on the sermon, counsels people. And then he gets time to rest up because speaking in public isn't an easy job. The boy thought for a moment and said, well, listening ain't easy either. You see, there are times in our life when we don't like to listen because listening becomes hard for us. When someone tells us something that we don't want to hear, it's hard. And when we think of God's word, and especially as I was preparing this sermon this week and just this study, I realized that it's hard to listen to what God has to say to us sometimes because it hurts, because it really reveals to us exactly the type of people we are. You see, this morning as we look in Malachi, we'll find out, especially as God talks to the people of Israel, especially the priests, exactly how hard it was for them to listen. You know, there are many people who like leftovers. I'm not one of them. But in fact, there are some people who will tell you that the second time you have a meal, it tastes better than the first time. Now, like I said, I disagree because I don't like leftovers. But I want you to imagine for a second with me, a prominent person is coming to dinner to your house. Would you, come, would you say to them, could you give me a couple of minutes, let me just warm up something in the microwave? You know, don't worry about how the house looks, you know, it, you know we won't worry about how it looks. Don't just overlook that thing um, being out of place. And the answer is no, we would not do that. In fact, we would all get stressed out because you know what we would do? We would find the best recipe that we have to cook. Then we would go on and say, you know what, I got to make sure this house is spick and span. I don't want them to see no dust. I don't want to make, I want to make sure that the curtains are clean, even though they haven't been clean for the year, but I got to make sure the blinds are clean. We go through all this problem because you know why? We want to impress those prominent people. Former President Jimmy Carter was a president that would sometimes, on his tour around the United States, would actually stay at people's houses. Imagine for a second you see the President Limino pull up in the front of your house, and the Secret Service getting out. You are not going to come out as if you looked like you just came out working in the yard, or like you worked out um, lifting weights or something. No, you are going to try to do your best to make sure the house is ready, to make sure you look your best. So the question for us this morning is this. We meet with a prominent person daily, but why do we give him our leftovers? The person I am talking about is Jesus Christ. We have made our relationship with Christ all about what we can get out of it instead of what we can do for Christ. We serve Christ out of obligation rather than because we want to. You see, we give the world our Monday to Saturday, and when it comes to Sunday, we feel like we have done God a favor because we have given him a couple hours of our time. Even then, sometimes we don't give him that because we have given everyone else all of our time, and we don't have anything left to give Jesus Christ. This morning, we are not just talking about a Sunday worship experience, a worship experience that we wanted our way, but we are talking about a lifestyle of worship that we are supposed to do daily with Jesus Christ. This morning, we, this morning, as we look into the text, we will see that God is talking to the spiritual giants of that day, the priests. And we will look to see how God stops them in their tracks because they thought they were doing everything right. But yet, he, he makes them realize that, you know what, you're just going through the motions. So if you have your Bible, you can turn to Malachi chapter 1, 6 to 14. And it says, A son honors his father and a servant his master. 
If then I, I am a father, where's my honor? And if I'm a master, where's my fear? Says the Lord of hosts to you. O priest, who despised my name? But you say, how have I, how have we despised your name? By offering polluted food upon my altar. But you say, how have we polluted you? By saying the Lord's table may be despised. When you offer blind animals in sacrifice, is that not evil? And when you offer those that are lame or sick, is that not evil? Present that to your governor. Will he accept you or show you favor, says the Lord of hosts? And now entreat the favor of God, that he may be gracious to us. With such a gift from your hand, will he show favor to any of you, says the Lord of hosts. Verse 10. Oh, that there were one among you who would shut the doors, that you might not kindle a fire on my altar in vain. I have no pleasure in you, says the Lord of hosts, and I will not accept an offering from your hand. But from the rising of the sun to the set in my name will be great among the nations. And every place incense will be offered to my name and a pure offering. For my name will be great among the nations, says the Lord of hosts. But you profane it when you say that the Lord's table is polluted and its fruit, that is, its food may be despised. Verse 13, but you say, what a weariness this is, and snort at it, says the Lord of hosts. You bring what is taken by violence or is lame or sick. And this is what you bring as an offering. Shall I accept that from your hand, says the Lord? Cursed be the cheat who has a male in his flock and vows it, and yet sacrifices to the Lord what is blemished. For I am great king, says the Lord of hosts, and my name will be feared among the nations. This morning we look at four points. Number one, God wants us to honor him. Number two, God wants our best. Number three, God wants the doors to be shut so that his name is not disrespected. And number four, God wants us to be, wants to be feared among the nations. Point number one, God wants to be, wants to honor him. Malachi 1.6 says again, a son honors his father and a servant his master. If then I am a father, where's my honor? And if I am a master, where's my fear? Says the Lord of hosts to you. O priest, who despised my name? But you say, how have we despised your name? Malachi 1 to 5, as we think of the context, God is talking to Israel and lets them know how much he loves them. He has shown them throughout history how much he loves them. He showed them over and over just how much he loves them. He tells them that they will see with their own eyes what he has done beyond Israel, and they will proclaim that the Lord is great. Now he transitions and he's talking about his relationship with his children and the nation of Israel, and he talks about how he wants to bring this illustration between a son and a father. Again, God is talking to the priest, and he starts off and asks a question, where is my honor? Now, I can imagine the priest for a second there as he says, where's my honor? The priests were probably thinking to themselves, you get them, you get them, God. You tell the people of Israel exactly what they have been doing wrong. You get on their case. But he doesn't stop there. He says to them, you priests, you despise my name. The spiritual giants of the day despise the name of God. You see, we need to recognize God's talking to the priests the priests were very familiar with the law and how things should be conducted in the temple and how and when the sacrifice should be given at the altar. Again, as we think of Exodus and we think of the book of Exodus, we know that one of the commands was honor your father and mother. The priests knew the law. It wasn't as if they didn't know what they were doing, but they knew exactly what they were doing. You see, when we think of God and when we think of our generation, we think of respect and honor given to parents, Sometimes it's overlooked today. 
Sometimes we don't see the same respect, and we, we hear it over and over in our country that, you know, in my day, we didn't do things that way. We even tell our kids sometimes, if I did that when I was growing up, I would get this. But today we overlook it. We have lost respect and honor. And even when it comes to God, we have lost more respect and honor. You see, God deserves a lot more respect and honor than any human figure. In fact, as we think of this particular passage, as we think of the book of Malachi, he talks about being the Lord Almighty 23 times. In fact, he talks about it nine times in just these verses that we looked at, we're going to look at this morning. He says it in verse 6, the Lord of hosts, some virgins may say. Verse 8, the Lord of hosts. Verse 9, the Lord of hosts. Verse 10, the Lord of hosts. Again, verse 11, the Lord of hosts. 13, the Lord of hosts. And 14, the Lord of hosts. So as we can see, it's not an option when it comes to honoring the name of God. But sometimes we make it, we make ourselves think that we, it's an honor to come here. It's like we're doing God a favor. He then shifts from talking about them being honored and talking about respect, of, and not respect of fear, but he's talking about being fearful of that you're doing what God wants you to do. You see, we could be talking about being scared, but God doesn't want us to be scared. What he wants us to do is this. He wants us to respect him that we give him all that we can. You see, I speak for myself. As every time that I come up in this pulpit and I speak, you know, I, I could get all the encouragement from the world from people. But if God isn't pleased, what does it matter? Because that is who I am here to represent. I am here not because I want Nicholas Rogers to get encouragement, but I am here that God's word has spoken to you. Because that is the most important thing. You see, we all need to have a fear of God. We need to understand that each one of us, wherever we go, we are representing of Jesus Christ, and we call ourselves children of God. And we need to understand that that game is greater than any other game that we could even imagine or think about. I want you to imagine for, for a second as a student or even an adult, I want you to imagine that you have the biggest game of the season. I want you to imagine you have the biggest recital that you, you need to pass a test or you need to do whatever it is in, in that. I want you to imagine that you have the greatest report to give to your boss. What are you going to do? I'm going to tell you what you're going to do. You're going to do the best that you can do. You're going to give 100% to whatever it is the world is throwing at you. You're going to give 100% to that recital. You're going to give 100% to schoolwork. You're going to give 100% to your boss. But why don't we fear God that way? Because you know why we do 100% each and every place? Because we don't want to let the person down who have taught us all the things that we went through. But why do we feel that we can give God the leftovers? That we can say, you know what? I'm going to give God what I can, not what the best I can give. It seems like we are afraid to let others down by the way we, we act, whether it be our friends, our family, our business, our school, and the list could go on. But when it comes to Christ... What's left is sometimes not a good showing. The priests, after God had told them that they despised the game, they had the audacity to say, how have we done that? How have we despised your game? 
Can you imagine for a second as parents, sometimes when your kids are, um, question you when you tell them to do something, can you do that for me? And they have the audacity to say, why? You know, we don't like to hear, why do I have to do that? So just go and do it, you know. But sometimes we, as a priest, they were asking God, what are you talking about? Let's bring this to our second point. God wants our best. Malachi 1.7.8 says, By offering polluted food upon my altar, but you say, how have we polluted you? By saying that the Lord's table may be despised. When you offer blind animals in sacrifice, is that not evil? And when you offer those that are lame or sick, is that not evil? Present that to your governor. Will he accept you or show you favor, says the Lord of hosts. You see, they were supposed to bring their best to God, but they were bringing their worst. They were offering as sacrifice the very animals that were likely to die very soon. They were not only sacrificed, they were not really sacrificing anything at all. They were saying that God was not worthy of their best. You see, they had gotten so comfortable with what they were doing that it didn't matter. They were going through the motions instead of fearing God in all they did and recognizing that they were his representatives. Rabbi Zacharias says, when a man is bored with God, even heaven does not have a better alternative. You see, when we get bored with God, we don't even see the awe, the awesomeness of God. We lose it. And I know sometimes even in us in ministry, if we are all honest with ourselves, we do this. We go through the motion because we are supposed to do it. We are expected to do this. And I'm talking to myself this morning. There are times when we come to, you know, serve the Lord that we don't give him the best that we can. We do what we do because it's what expected. It's what people expect us to do. When in reality, we really don't feel like doing it. But because we just go through the motions and we think that we're doing God a favor, we do it. God continues the conversation with the priest by telling them, you have offered polluted food or sacrifices on my table. And again, as we see in Leviticus chapter 22, 20 to 5, the priest knew what the law said. It says this, you shall not offer anything that has a blemish, for it will not be acceptable for you. And when anyone offers a sacrifice of peace offerings to the Lord to fulfill a vow or as a freewill offering, from the herd or from the flock to be accepted, it must be perfect. There shall be no blemish in it. Animals blind or disabled or mutilated or having a discharge or an itch or scabs, you shall not offer to the Lord or give them to the Lord as a food offering on the altar. You may present a bull or a lamb that has a part too long or too short for a free will offering, but for a vow offering it cannot be accepted. Any animal that has its testicles bruised or crushed or torn or cut shall not offer to the Lord. You shall not do it within your land. Neither shall you offer as bread of your God any such animals gotten from a foreigner. Since there is a blemish because of their mutilation, they will not be accepted for you. Like I said, they knew the law. It is not like they didn't know what they were doing. They knew exactly what they were doing. And for us, I want us to think about this. To drive this point home, God said to them that the same animals that you are sacrificing to me, you would give to no political leader. Because you know what will happen. You know that they will refuse this sacrifice. So why are, we, why are they giving it to, to God? For us to think in a human perspective, I want you to imagine for a second on your job. 
I want you to imagine for a second that your, your boss tells you that I want you to give me a report of everything that you have done in the last year. You bring your boss a sheet of paper, and as your boss looks at the paper, he sees that it's blank. There's nothing on the front, nothing on the back. Your boss says, well, this is blank. What have you been doing for the last year? Your response to him is, I've showed up every day. I showed up to my work every day. That's what I've done. I've done my service to you. Well, the boss says, well, that's not enough. Can you let me know which goals you have? Well, I, I have that attached to that paper as well. Again, your boss looks at that paper that's in the back. It's blank. So, again, what are your goals? Well, my goals are that I'm going to show up every day that I can. What would happen to you in that situation? You would probably be fired. You would probably be told, you might as well go home now. Because you're not performing to the point that you're supposed to be, be performing at. This is not just a time for you to give 9 to 5 to come in and do your own thing. But you are here to work for this business. You are here to grow this business. You are here to give 100% to this business. But yet, we do the same thing to God. We just show up. We don't want to get involved. We do what we're supposed to do, and we think that we've given God enough. We've given him enough. You know, we showed up this week. We sang a little, we sang some songs this morning. You know, we heard a message, and that's enough. But God is saying, no, that's not enough. I think one of the biggest areas that we fall in this trap is as parents. Because what happens to us a lot of times is, you know what? We will push our kids in every aspect of the world, whether it be um, sports, music, education, whatever it is. But when it comes to God, we don't push him. When it comes to serving God, we don't, give, you know, we don't say, you know what? This is very important. We show them that, you know what, whatever the world is throwing at you, that is more important. You know, I want you to get 100%. I want you to get a good grade because you need to get that scholarship. But when it comes to God, what you are doing for God and showing them how to serve God, you don't show them that. Because we, give, we tell them to do everything else for the world, that they have nothing else to give God. You know, for me, I remember, you know, just... As tell the story, the Christmas production that was just done. Um, for those who are involved in it, you would know that there were many times that it became frustrating because of different things, whether it be the power being off or, um, you know, things weren't done. And you would show up to practice, and you would realize that we weren't having practice. It came a point when, to be honest, you know, Tamsin and I talked about it, well, you know, Christmas time is a busy time of year. It's easy for us just to say, you know what, let's throw in the towel right now and, you know, tell Mercy, you know, you don't have to be involved in this because, you know, we're just tired of going out here and nothing's happening and, you know, let, it's better that we just stop because Christmas is just a busy time of year. But I thought about that and I said to myself, and not to give me a pat on the back, I thought to myself, if I did that, 
I'd be the biggest hypocrite possible. Because I would be showing her that, you know what, when things get tough, when things don't go the way I want even in ministry, I just give up. I'm thankful to say that if I did not push mercy in that direction, I wouldn't have seen her giving God glory through singing. In fact, it came a point where on the Sunday we already told Anton that we wouldn't be able to come because we were already committed to a Christmas party. And we know that everyone likes Christmas parties. That Mercy said, you know what? I don't want to go to the Christmas party. I want to go sing out to the Christmas production. And you know what? That brought pure joy because I saw that, you know what? She wants, even though I know maybe she wants to see her friends, it still was pure joy to see that she wanted to serve the Lord. And that's what we should want as parents. We should want to see our kids involved in serving the Lord. Yes, it's great to be involved in all other things. But serving the Lord is the most important thing that we could teach our kids. John Benton pointed in a book, Open Up Malachi, said this, How can we possibly have less respect for the king of kings than we do for the political powers who are appointed by him? Let me read that again. How can we possibly have less respect for the king of kings than we do for the political powers who are appointed by him? Again, you know, we are in that season. And we have to remember that the king of kings deserves everything. The question becomes, are we giving God our best in worship? Do we prepare our hearts before we come before as we gather together? Do we prepare our hearts as we spend time at home in our study of God's word? Or do we just rush it? As if we were fulfilling a duty or a ritual. Have we fallen to the trap as the prophet Isaiah said, you hypocrites. Well did Isaiah, in Matthew 15, 7, 9, well did Isaiah prophesy of you when he said, these people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. In vain do they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. You see, we all need to make sure that we're giving God our best. We need to make sure that we're not giving God any lip service. Because the reality is, he sees right through us. He sees the inside. He sees our motives. He sees everything that we're about. And it's easy for us to fool people. But we can never fool God. Let's bring me to the third point. God wants the doors to be shut so that his name is not disrespected. Malachi 1.10 says, Oh, that they were one among you who should shut the doors, that you might not kindle fire on my altar in vain. I have no pleasure in you, says the Lord of hosts, and I will not accept an offering from your hand. What would God say about our worship this morning? Yes, we came and sang some songs. Uh, we looked into God's word together. We gave our offering and tithes. Would he say that he was pleased? Or would he have said, it's better you to stay at home? keep the doors locked. As hard as that is to hear, God does not need our sacrifices. He doesn't need us to fulfill some religious activity and put a star next to our name because we think we have fulfilled our duty today. No, instead, he wants all of us. He is tired of us playing church. He would rather us come, he would rather us not come at all if we're just coming to play church. He would rather us not even open the doors to come on in if we're not coming to genuinely worship him. 
That's what he's telling the priests. I would rather you just lock the doors. Somebody lock the door because all you're doing is disrespecting my name. What do you say that today? What do you say that we disrespect this game? We come in here and we don't have the attitude of worship. One pastor said that no worship at all is better than half-hearted worship. You see, God doesn't need us to give him anything because his glory will still be seen whether we do anything or not. He doesn't need us. You know, the psalmist said the rocks will cry out. But he chooses to use us to bring honor and glory to him. We know the church of Laodicea, again, as, as he's talking to the church, he said, look, I'd rather you be hot or cold. I'd rather you be on fire for me or don't even want anything to do with me than to be lukewarm. That made me just want to spit you out. See how serious it is when we come to God half-hearted? He doesn't want us to do that. In fact, he said he will spit us out. In a book book called Open Up Malachi, it says, To worship God in spirit and truth, worship him with our spirits engaged, is to worship with our hearts going out after God. Let me read that again. To worship God in spirit is to worship him with our spirits engaged, is to worship with our hearts going out after God. Again. As we think of these words of God, does it speak to us? Are we giving him 100%? Are we, would God, is he happy that we open the doors this morning to bring him worship? He continues in the following verses, Malachi 1, 11, 13. But from the rising of the sun to set into my name will be great among the nations. And in every place incense will be offered to my name and a pure offering. For my name will be great among the nations, says the Lord of hosts. But you profane it when you say that the Lord's table is polluted, as fruit, that is food, may be despised. But you say, what a weariness this is, and you snort at it, says the Lord of hosts. You bring what has been taken by violence or as a lame or sick, and this is what you bring as an offering. Shall I accept from your hand, says the Lord. Again, he wants to remind us of verses 7 8, what the exact charge he is bringing against them. He wanted to understand he had rejected their offerings because of what they had done. They are bringing him offerings that weren't ready to be offered. They were ready either sick or going to be killed or dead. You know, so he brings them, which brings us to the last point. God wants to be feared among the nations. Verse 14 says, Cursed be the cheat who has a male in his flock and vows it, and yet sacrifice to the Lord what is blemished. For I am a great king, says the Lord of hosts, and my name will be feared among the nations. You see, God wanted to make it clear that his name is to be feared, and he wanted all to know. He wanted his name to be known, and it was his reputation that was on the line. What about us? What about you? Do we have a fear that we want to make God's name famous around this world? Do we have a fear that we want to represent Christ in a way that's pleasing to him? That we want to give him 100%? That we want to 
We want people to look at our lives and say, something's got to be different about you. And you can say it's because I have a relationship with Jesus Christ. Do we fear God as much as we fear our earthly bosses? That we're willing to make sure that that company names get put out there when it comes to the, the name that really matters, we keep it inside. Like I said, we had, a, we had a great opportunity telling people about Christ in our neighborhood, and that is great. But that's something we should be doing every day of our lives. Telling people about Christ wherever we go. Being a light that shines bright. And it doesn't have to always be words, but it's how we act. What are we doing? People see Christ in us by the things we do. So how do we apply this? How are you honoring the God? How are you honoring God? Are you giving him leftovers? Are you concerned about his name being great among the nations? I hope as we leave today, as we look at these verses, that this would challenge each and every one of us. That it would ask us ourselves, how do we prioritize our relationship with Christ? Where does God fit in our list? Or do we just squeeze him in where we can fit him in? So I challenge you, honor God in everything. Give God your best. Don't give God worship that he would rather you just keep. And let his name be exalted in all nations. Father, we thank you for this morning. And Father, we pray this morning that, Father, we haven't come in and give you lip service. But Father, we have worshipped you from our hearts. And in spirit and truth, we have given you everything that we can. And I just pray that you be at every aspect of the service, Father, as we um, get ready to leave or go to Sunday school, Father, again, that you would get all honor, glory, and praise. And we thank you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.